you guys love Pixar? Yes. So Pixar is awesome. Um, well, on our second podcast, so we, so we have, if you, if you weren't here last week, I explained a little bit more. Um, we have this message that will be um, is broadcast live right now on Facebook, but also um, we put this on our website, iTunes, Google Play, so you can listen to it if you ever miss, if you sleep in, which you never probably would want to do on a Sunday. You can go back and listen to the message. Um, but we do a second podcast is what we call it, and basically it's me and AP, he's a guy that attends here, and we just talk about this message and talk about other stuff. In one of the latest episodes, we, we also do this every week, but in one of the latest episodes, we have this question that we say, which is, what are you into? And what are you into is basically like, hey, you know, is there a book you're reading? Is there a movie you saw? You know, are you like, I don't know, like he was fixing his car one week. Well, just recently I said, I've been really into Pixar. And it started because um, I ended up watching the Pixar documentary on Netflix. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen that. Pretty fascinating about how that, how that all came together. Um, but then I got Creativity, Inc., which is the book by one of the founders um, about Pixar, which is really cool. And then we went to MSI. And if you're not from around here, that's the Museum of Science and Industry. And they had an exhibit called The Science Behind Pixar. And I was like, I'm just all Pixar'd out, man. But it was awesome. So here's the thing. What, just yell at me, like, your favorite Pixar movie. Up, uh, Toy Story. Uh, Toy Story. Monsters, Inc. Monsters, Inc., Monsters University. Okay, all right, cool. Now, what's amazing about Pixar, if you kind of get into their story, is, is just that, is that Pixar is masterful at telling stories. Am I right? Telling stories is what they're all about. Now, in order to have a good story, you have to have, have, have great characters, right? So one of the things that they do great at is they develop these characters in such a way that we just love these characters. So tell me real quick what your favorite Pixar character is. Wow, it's a lot of mush coming towards me right now. Any, any Edna fans from The Incredibles? Yeah. Finding Nemo, little Nemo with the bum flipper. Awesome. Or Finn. Is it a Finn or a flipper? I don't know. It's all good. So these characters, though. You guys are, are like honorary today. I like it. I like this. This is going to go good places. So these characters, right? If you look at the, the way that they develop their characters, here's what's interesting. The characters have to have certain things about them. They have to have like their features. So, you know, you've got, I mean, one of the big thing, things that they, the, the code that they cracked was how to like animate hair human hair and how, how that works and, and, and fur and also how to um, animate water was a big deal. And so there's these features that are in the story that are part of the characters. But there's also something that is very interesting that's called rigging. And rigging is basically, if you think about it this way, it's about your bones. Think about it as your bones. And it's basically the bones that are inside these characters in the computer that tells the computer what that they can do to animate that character. So quick example would be the rigging on Woody's arm does not have a joint here, but this is something where if he moves his arm, he's going to, his hand is going to go up as well. There's going to be a bending point at his elbow. His shoulder stays in the spot, all that kind of stuff. And the rigging is so important because it kind of determines what that character can do within the story. That's exactly what our soul is like. Our soul is like the rigging that is inside of us 
that somehow allows us to be animated in very particular ways. So we are in a series called Mind, Body, Soul, Beef Jerky, right? And next week is Beef Jerky, and if you're going to miss, I apologize now, but it's going to be great. We're going to talk about Beef Jerky next week. Today is all about soul, and soul is the rigging. In week one, we said that our mind is constantly looking for an opportunity to change our story. We looked at several different examples of that. We know that Eve, she saw the fruit. She was lied to by the serpent. She believed that she could change her story. She thought, it says in the word, that she was convinced. And so she took that, and she changed her story, and she changed ours as well. In week two, our body is how we express our story. This is when we looked at the beggar that was, that was healed at the gate called Beautiful. And the fact that when he was healed, he just didn't sit there. After what God did in his life, he just didn't sit there and it's like, oh, you know what, Peter and John, thank you so much for healing me. I mean, I've been sitting here all my life, but now my legs work, but I don't really want to get up right now. No, he got up, he ran around, he jumped, he had a great time, and people praised God, and there was wonder and amazement, the word says. So if week one was that and week two is that about our mind or our body, our soul is what animates our story. Our soul is what animates our story. Now before we get all theological here, let me just kind of give you like shorthand for today. I know that there is a lot of discussion and research and and study that we can do about the soul versus the spirit versus the heart, all of that. Not going to really take time today to try to unpack that. That would be like a whole other series. But for us tonight, today, what I want to say is that the soul, when I say that, think of it this way. It is the eternal part of you. It is the eternal part of you that God has placed that fingerprint on your life. It is the piece of you that is going to go from here to there. You're going to leave this body behind, but your soul is going to continue. And so that eternal piece of who you are, all of that that is, is divine, that is in you, that is a part of you, is what your soul is. And as I studied for this message and I looked through the word, it was very fascinating. There's a lot of things that that, um, we can relate to just practically in in our lives about our soul. I mean, if you look through scripture, you can see that there's a lot of different ways that the soul is described. It's almost like our soul has... um, a personification, like a, like a, uh, that has attributes. And here's what I mean by that. Um, in, in Psalm 84, it's, it says that my soul longs. So something in us, our soul, has the ability to long for something. Psalm 43 says that my soul is downcast. Somehow our soul has the ability to be down or up. Um, in Psalm 103, it says that my soul, bless the Lord, O oh my soul. That my soul can bless. My soul has that ability to connect that way. In Deuteronomy 4, it talks about our soul seeking. Something about our soul is actually looking and can be seeking. Um, in Matthew 22, Jesus talks about our soul loving God. Like our soul has the capacity to love. Like this is, this is crazy to me. As I think about this, it really started to dawn on me that our soul is like that rigging inside of us, that sometimes we recognize it, sometimes we don't. We're way more, way more into like being able to think something through. 
to use our brain, our mind to think it through or to push it through with our body or to figure it out. But man, when do we say, what does my soul feel about this? Somebody said, my soul hurts right now. Like when it snowed, I had to go shovel the driveway yesterday. I was like, my soul hurts. But you think about this. You know, we say these things, but what are we saying? What are we describing? Well, just in Psalm 63, there's another example where David is talking, he says that my, I'm, my soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food from Culver's. And my mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. Here it says that my soul will be satisfied. There's something about our soul that reminds us what is truly satisfying. Our soul reminds us of what is truly satisfying. And if our soul can be satisfied, I would say that our soul can also be unsatisfied. Some of you have walked in here today, and I'll just kind of maybe try to prove a point here, just because we all walked in with a bunch of stuff. We're all going through stuff. We all have a bunch of stuff that we carried into this place. And for some of us, that first song started to lift a little bit of that stuff. And now this message in God's word is going to help lift that stuff away from you a little bit. And then the songs at the end, as we worship God, there's something that's going to happen where all of a sudden our soul starts to fill up. It starts to become a little bit more satisfied. Bring that slide up again, Ange. What it says there is my soul is satisfied as if I went to Culver's, but it's when my mouth praises you with joy. And I remember you and I meditate on you. That's when my soul is satisfied. And we go through our weeks and we're, we're just beaten down by life and we don't know which way to turn. Many times what I tell people to do is I said, start worshiping God. Because something inside you is not satisfied. Your soul is just yearning for more. And it's not yearning for more culverts. It's not yearning for more stuff or more things. What it's yearning for is to be connected to God. And so it re- our soul reminds us what truly satisfies. And we'll go around and we'll be hungry for something. But it's not food. It's hungry for something that only our soul really wants. It has an appetite. I think that that's super important for us to think about as we're thinking about these passages. Now, now this next one, I'm going to pray before we read it. And I really want us to kind of dive into a couple of passages that are probably a little bit more well-known about the soul. But I want us to really see those things in a little different light today, in a new light. So, Heavenly Father, as we look into your word, Lord, we pray right now that you would just speak to us, God. There is so much on our mind. It's a new chapter of a new year. And we're just looking for what would truly satisfy us. And so, God, as we, as we look to your word, I, I pray right now that your spirit would teach us. You are the teacher. We are the students, and we are ready to learn. In Jesus' name we pray. So Mark 8, if you have a Bible, Mark 8 is where we're going to hang out. And, and this is where Jesus says this. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? What does it profit if he forfeits his soul, if he gains everything? And what can he give in return for his soul? Now, many of you have probably heard these questions. Now, what's interesting about Jesus is Jesus doesn't answer these questions. I call this 
a doy, all right? Everybody say doy. There you go. This is the doys of Jesus. We're going to do another series called the doys of Jesus. He doesn't answer this question. Why? Because it's a doy. The question is this. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? What's the answer? Nothing. Then the second question is, the other doy question is, for what can a man give in return for his soul? What's the answer? Nothing. Jesus constantly is leading us to an obvious example, an obvious answer when he asks these questions. Many of Jesus' questions are never answered because they're doys. And something inside each one of, of us resonates with that. Think about it this way. You could have all the cars you want. You could have all the money you want. You can have all the promotions and all the prestige and all the influence and all the power that you want. All of it. All of it. You can have all that you want. And it doesn't compare to the value of your soul. And I can go one better. Not only can you have as much as you want, but you can have all the cars in the world. Good luck parking those in your garage. You can have all the money in the world. Think about this. You can have all the power, all the influence, all the promotions. You can be at the top and have everything, the entire world and everything in it. Think about that. And it's not worth what your soul is worth. Think about this. Our soul is more valuable than the entire world and everything in it. But often we don't read just before. We do if we're kind of reading through, but we don't realize why did Jesus ask these questions when he did? Well, back up a few verses, and you back up to verse 34, and you start to see what he says. He says, in calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. He says this, if you're going to follow me, you need to take up your cross and you need to follow me. And, and we see that what, there's something about what Jesus does here and what he says, because then he follows with 835. Go ahead and go there. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. So verses 34 and 35 are right before he says, and so what does it profit a person if they gain the entire world but forfeit their soul? You see, there's something about the soul that's tied to these things, about following Jesus and denying ourselves. There's something about our soul that, that resonates with the kingdom of God. Your soul resonates with the kingdom of God. When you hear things that are true, when you hear things that are pure, when you hear things and you read a question and you read a passage like this, your soul is able to answer that question and say, nothing is worth my soul. I can't trade anything for my soul. Are you kidding me? And not only that, but it seems to be that if you trade your soul, the following of Jesus is going to be impossible. And so our soul drives us to say yes to God and say no to self. Our soul drives us to say yes to God and no to self. And when you say yes to God and no to self, what that ends up happening is what ends up happening is that you 
are resolved to say, I am going to follow Jesus, and it doesn't matter what the consequences are. Jesus said, you know what? Um, I am going to go to the cross. I'm going to bear my cross. I don't care what the consequences are. I'm going to get to the cross, and I'm going to buy back my kids, and I'm going to buy back my family, my brothers, my sisters, and we're going to be a family again. And it doesn't matter what I have to do. I will go to the cross for them. And he bears his cross. Jesus is not saying, get ready to carry an actual cross. He's saying that there are things that in your life where you're going to have to deny yourself and say yes to God, and there will be consequences. But because of your soul, because your soul is being satisfied, because the soul is what animates your story, your story is that you will be known as a person who said yes to God and no to self. You are a person that said, I don't care what the consequences are, I'm going to follow Jesus. It doesn't matter what people say. It doesn't matter what people do. It doesn't matter if they put burdens on my back. I will carry them through the streets of Jerusalem, and I will go to where God has called me to go. That will be your story because you're being animated by your soul. As you think about that and as you think about what that means, here's the thing. Our soul can be wounded. Anybody ever say, like, just really, like, my soul hurts? Oh. But there are things that can happen to us or we can do that actually damage our soul. And when our soul is wounded, look out. Because when your soul is wounded, your story is paralyzed. When things happen to us that are not okay, when things that we do, things that are not okay, and we choose to go away from God and we say yes to self and we do those things and we feel shame or guilt or we have someone do something to us and we feel shame or guilt because of that, our soul is wounded. Our dignity is marred. The glory that God has given us is marred. And when that happens, you're paralyzed. So what do you do? I'll tell you what a lot of us do, okay? When we are wounded in our soul, we immediately go to one of the other two options. We go to our mind or our body. Most of us will try to say, you know what? I didn't like that that happened, and I don't want it to happen again. I want to know as much as I can about God, about life, about finances, about investing, about whatever it is you need to figure out. And you want to know more. Because if I know more, what I can do is I can make sure what happened before won't happen again. And so what we try to do is we try to medicate our wound with knowledge. And we become the greatest theologians. We become the greatest, you know, doctors, businessmen. And yet our soul is wounded and there's an emptiness because our soul's not satisfied. Some of us will turn to our body and say, you know what, it's what I wear, it's how I look, and I'm going to make sure that I medicate and I try to, try to just ignore and, and forget what happened to me, and I'm going to make sure I work out, I'm going to go keto, I'm going to figure out all the stuff, man. I'm going to work out two hours a day, and I'm going to make sure that my body is healthy, because if my body is healthy, then what I can do is I can control that. I can control things. I didn't say this last night, but I'll say this. All of us have PTSD. All of us do. 
Because there's not one person in this room that has walked through life and had nothing bad happen to them. And the question is, how are we dealing with that trauma? The way that we deal with it is we want more knowledge. Or we want to take care of ourselves and stay healthy. These are the things we go to. But here's the catch. All right, let me just kind of pull it back so you guys know. There will be a day. Listen to me. There will be a day when you have everything under control and something will happen that will prove to you once and for all that you cannot control everything. All it takes is one diagnosis from a doctor of an incurable disease and all of a sudden you're out of control. All it takes is for that person that you thought was going to be there for you forever walks away from you. You realize you can't control. And when that happens, your soul wakes up. When you realize that you don't have the ability to control everything in your life, your soul wakes up. It's like, oh, wait, time out. This guy, he's starting to think about the thing that I've been trying to tell him the whole time is that those things aren't going to animate you. You're starting to realize that the thing that's going to animate you is when you say no to self and yes to God, and all of a sudden your rigging starts to strengthen, and you're able to be animated by your soul and by your spirit because God is in you and is reminding you of what is most important and what truly satisfies. Are you guys with me? Guys, the work we have to do is to understand where it is that we have been hurt and we need to allow Jesus to speak to that moment and to speak to that thing that might be in your life right now and be able to break you of that and to set you free. Not only does your soul animate you, but your soul liberates you. Your soul is driving you towards God. And some of you have been feeling it for a long time. And you may, I don't even know, maybe you've been gone for the last couple months on break or whatever, but you've been feeling this drawing. Guess what that is? That's something inside of you that resonates with God. He's drawing that out of you, and he's drawing you towards him. You see, I think what's amazing is that our soul recognizes that we need to transform. The thing that's alive inside of you, that maybe you've been packing away, maybe that you've been ignoring, that very thing, your soul recognizes that you need to transform. That's why you're sitting here right now. You might have been dragged here today. But there's something inside you that's resonating, not with what I'm saying. Well, maybe if the Holy Spirit's all in that, yes, absolutely. But not because of my words, but because there's something supernatural happening on the inside of you, connecting with something supernatural on the outside of you. The last thing that I want to make mention of is this. And by the way, next week on Sunday morning at 9 o'clock, getting past your past, the Equip series, I mean, what a perfect connection point to trying to understand what has happened in my life and how do I move forward in healing and wholeness. It's like they dovetail together so perfectly. Pray about coming out to that next week. The last thing that I want to say is this, is that our, our soul restores and returns us to the plot of our story. How many of you guys have seen a movie that's got no plot? It's like brutal. Like what is happening in this movie and I do not care. But our soul returns us to the plot of our story. The plot is the point. What is the ultimate goal? If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Romans 8. I'm looking 
through verses 5 through 8. It's a little lengthy, but it's pretty basic. It says this, those who live according to the flesh have their minds, there's that word, minds, have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. So if you have your mind set in one direction, you're thinking about what you want. If you have your spirit set and you're focused on that, you think about what God wants. The mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. Man, if there is no much uh, uh, no-brainer choice, then the mind governed by the flesh is death. I don't want that. But the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please, please God. So what we see here is that the plot of the story for us is that we would be led and governed by the Spirit. And our soul and our spirit is what connects us with that plot, and that's what keeps us going. That's what keeps us focused. That's what keeps us controlled or governed by the Spirit. We were, uh, we were in Dallas this week. Um, visiting some family, and uh, some of you have heard of this place um, called Upper Room, and uh, since we were in the area, I was like, we got to go check this place out. I've heard stuff. I've, you know, I think we might sing their songs. I don't know, but whatever. It's, they're on the YouTube. So we went there, and they have um, this idea. Their, their mission is that, that they see that the, the presence of God transforming lives morning, noon, and night. So every day, think about this, every day, Monday through Friday at 6 a.m., they have live worship and prayer from 6 to 8. And then from 12 to 2 p.m., they have live worship and prayer. And then from 6 to 8 p.m., they have live worship and prayer. And so we went there, and we went at uh, the noon hour, and we, we got there. And, you know, my body, when I walked into, from the parking lot into the, the room, which it, I, ironically is similar in size um, to this and similar in look. And I was like, kind of feels like home right now. Um, but as I, as I walked in, my body didn't feel much different because I was just walking. And my mind was kind of like, you know, aware, like, okay, I'm outside, now I'm inside. But there was something inside me that resonated with what was happening in the room because it, the event had, or the prayer time had already started. And there's something inside me that already resonated. And I think what's amazing is that it's like we're called back. I was called back to worship. I was called back to praise. I was called back to prayer. And, and for about an hour, we spent time in that place. And one of the things that they did is, is that they, they, I wrote this down when I was there. It's like our soul remembers what matters most. Now, I, you know, too bad I don't have a scripture for that one. But I feel like our, our soul remembers. Remembers what's what matters most in our life. And, and when they started to sing, and it kind of fleshed out with this, um, they started to sing over and over again some words. And as we remember, as we remember, as we meditate on the Lord, what happens? Our soul becomes satisfied. And this is what they began to sing. What a price you paid, what a life you gave, we remember. We won't forget the nails in your hands. We won't forget the wounds in your side. We won't forget the thorns on your head. We won't forget the wonderful cross. And then they would sing it again. What a price you paid. What a life you gave. We remember. We won't forget the nails in your hands. We won't forget the wounds in your side. We won't forget the thorns on your head. We won't forget the wonderful cross. And they kept singing that and singing that and singing that. And it was like we are not 
going to forget. Our soul remembers. What does God say to the people of God in the Old Testament all kinds of times? Do not forget the Lord. And our soul is what helps us remember what matters most. The band can come up and um, I have a challenge for you this morning. We've been through a lot in this last, last few minutes. I have a challenge for you. When they start this first song, we're going to do it a little different than we did last night. When they start this first song, and any, really any time during this first song, but I would encourage you to go if you're feeling it. Last week, we ended the service on the last song, All Up Here. By the way, always free to come on up, find a spot, an open area, and worship God. But anytime during this first song, there are some pieces of paper that are on a table back here and a table back there, and it's folded up, and it's taped shut. And what I want to challenge you to do, if you're feeling it, is to take the paper. But if you take the paper, you must agree to this. You take it home, don't open it, you take it home, and you sit quietly for five minutes. And you open it up, and then you sit quietly for 15 more minutes. And while you're sitting for those 15 minutes, that you consider the question that's on that piece of paper, and you write down your answers. Here's what I will tell you. If you try to answer the question with your mind, you'll get an answer, but it won't be really that great. And you could use your hand and answer the question. But that's not the point. I believe the only way you can really answer this question is if you answer it with your soul. So many of us are in so many different spots in life right now, and there's no way for me to know where you are today. But I would just definitely say this to you. Your soul, hear me, your soul is worth more than everything. It's easy to, to see how our, and one of the main ideas in this, this series is that our, our mind, our body, and our soul are, are, are entangled and connected in ways that we really can't pull apart. But there's something about focusing on our soul that allows for us to be satisfied, to be filled, understand some things about what's happening in our life, maybe even why it's happening. And I would just encourage you this week, maybe at the beginning of this year, that you're going to say, I'm going to invest in my soul. The first step might be taking one of those pieces of paper. And I'll tell you right now, there's not enough for everybody in this room. I want the people that really feel it to go grab those. And I believe that God's going to meet you in that time. And I believe that could be your first step this year to really investing in your soul. So why don't we stand? God, what a price you paid, what a life you gave. We remember right now. We won't forget the nails in your hands. We won't forget the wounds in your side. We won't forget the thorns on your head. We won't forget the wonderful cross. God, you are here in this place and you are calling some of us to take steps 
if you're here today and you don't and never made a choice to follow Jesus, what we call that around here is putting him first, choosing God and saying no to self. If you haven't done that today and you sense that God is calling you to make a commitment, I want you to pray right where you are and I just want you to say something like this. God, I'm a mess. But you already knew that. Lord, I've done a lot of stuff. I've heard a lot of things. Maybe I've hurt people or I've been hurt. But God, you're calling me to rise above that and somehow to connect with you. So Lord, I... I, in my own way right now, with the limited knowledge that I have, I say no to the things that I've done. I want to walk a new path with you. God, I say yes to you right now. And I accept you. And I surrender. And I ask right now that the Holy Spirit would come into my life and come into my heart. That it would begin to animate my story that I wouldn't try so hard anymore, that I would stop trying to manage my sin, but I would begin to move in the Spirit of God, sensing what you want for me, helping me up when I stumble, and showing me the way when I don't know. God, I choose life today, not death. I choose to acknowledge that my soul is worth more than everything in the world. And so I give you my life and I ask you to help put the pieces back together. In Jesus' name. As we go into this song, God, we pray that your Holy Spirit would truly be in this place. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. If we need to move, if we need to raise our hands, if we need to bow down or kneel, or if we need to go grab a piece of paper, whatever it is that you're directing us to do, Lord, we want to do it. I'll be in the back in that area over there um, with Sarah, and we'll be available to pray with you. If you want to pray about any of this or anything else, we'd be happy to do that. But second place, let's sing. If there was ever a song that I didn't, uh, I wouldn't... Uh, be offended if you didn't sing it's that one because that one's got a lot in it right you guys are belting that one out saying i give you control I give you control Woo. you go home and you took the paper um let me and you can still grab it on the way out let me tell you what's going to happen first five minutes here's what's going to happen all the things you have to do that day are going to come to your mind all the things that you struggle with all the things that people said to you all the stuff, all the appointments, all the homework, all whatever is going to come to you and you're going to just write those things down. Just get them out of your head. You open the paper, you look at the question. And then for those next 15 minutes, here's what's going to happen. All the things you have to do, all the people, the things that people said, all the appointments you have, all the struggles you have, those are all going to come back. You're going to write all those down again. And you're going to get it all out of your head. And you're focused on that question. You guys want to know what the question is? Well, y'all can take a paper and find out. But here's what, I, sometimes I, um, like, I, I, I think about, like, 
the fact that tomorrow's a work day for you all. School, work. And, and like, I, I got I to gotta come out here next weekend and, like, I got to throw out some scriptures and try to tell you something that you haven't heard before and you've probably heard the scriptures before, maybe. And it becomes a lot. And I think what's hard for all of us, whether you do that type of work, you do this type of work or whatever you do, is the fact that our minds are always thinking like, okay, I have this to do today. I have that to do today. I need to, maybe I need to get outside and exercise or whatever, or need to go shovel the driveway, whatever it is. All those things are real, but it's so hard for us to come back to, okay, what does my soul need today? Like, I know what my schedule needs. I know what, what my body needs. I know I need to eat dinner tonight. But what does my soul need today? And I think that's the work. That's the challenge for all of us. And the, here's the sneaky advantage that I have over you if you're not speaking next weekend, is that I've got to do the soul work. <laughs> because if I get up here and try to say my own stuff, that's going to go over, like, horribly. Maybe that there would be something that I could find that God would want to say to all of us. And so... This week, man, maybe pretend that you have to talk next weekend. Go into your quiet time and, and get something from that time that you feel like God is showing you. Spend that time with him. So second place, as we go today, man, may we be people who do soul work. May we be the people of God that are, that are resonating with the kingdom that are starting to connect the dots and saying that my soul right now is not satisfied. My soul needs to worship. My soul needs to praise. My soul needs to be in community. May we be those people, God, that, that recognize that we need to transform, that allow the rigging of our souls to animate our story as we leave this place and may our stories reach and touch so many others and may all of those stories have one path right back to you and may we introduce people to you on a regular basis God because our animation is coming from you we thank you God for all this we pray it all in Jesus name amen love you guys have a great week we'll see you very soon